Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to Federal Contracting Made Easy, where we take the complex goal of government contracting and break it into simple steps that anyone can master. I'm your host, Nancy. This is episode 111, and today we're going to talk about the changes that SBA recently made to the HUBZone program. But before we get started, I wanted to say happy holidays. It's Christmas Eve, and I wanted to wish each and every one of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from Federal Contracting Made Easy. So let's get started. Why did SBA decide to make changes to the program? Well, it's easy. They had to. President Trump issued an executive order, and the executive order number was 13771. And this required each federal agency to review their programs and look for regulatory burdens and control any regulatory costs associated with these programs. So what was SBA's goal? Well, SBA goal was twofold. The first, they wanted to take the HUBZone program and they wanted to make it more effective and efficient. And they wanted to make it so that you could understand and comply with it easily because it sometimes is ambiguous in some of the terms and definitions and other regulations, right? And the second thing they wanted to do was they wanted to make it more attractive to federal agencies so that they would utilize HUBZone set-asides more often. Well, let's see how they did, shall we? But first, let's look at when was the last time the program was updated. Does anyone know? Well, it hasn't been recent, I can tell you that. The last time that they looked at this program was when Congress created it in 1998. Up to this point, there hasn't been any major revisions to the program. Well, that's approximately 21 years that this program has sat idle with this no major update. So it's, it's long overdue and it's a necessary first step. But I still believe they could have done a lot more and made a lot more changes to the program. But let's get into that, shall we? If you remember a while back, I did a video on, okay, now's your time for you to have input on the things that SBA was looking at changing for the hub zone, and I believe it was a women-owned program. You had your chance to voice your concerns. This is a result of those that voiced their concerns, and this is the changes that SBA made. So the first thing they said is, what is the challenges? The challenges noted were that you have to recertify twice. The first at the time you submit your bid on a HUBZone solicitation. And the second is if you are the apparent successful offer, you have to make your, uh, you have to state your, that you meet this program certification requirements. So that's twice. And that could be in a matter of 60, 90, 120 days or longer that you've had to certify yourself within that time period. It seems a little obsessive, but that's the way the rules were written. So what did SBA change? So they now said that you have to have an annual recertification. So you annually annually recertify, and that's good for up to a next year. So you don't have to certify at the time you submit your bid, and then again at the time of contract award. 
So it's going to save you steps. You only certify once, and it doesn't matter if you've been on 20 contracts or you only been on one. That certification is good for that length of time. And that's a necessary change. I, I agree with that one. The second challenge that you said was maintaining eligibility. And why is that? Well, because the economic data is continually changing. It's updated every month and every quarter. So when and so if you look at all the data that goes into it, and I'm not going to go behind all the data, but it's updated on a regular basis. And so that data can make it so that an area is, is certified and is no longer certified. And that's what's happening. There's all these changes. Every time they do a change, every time they get more ec economic data, it could throw a, a an area and determine that it's no longer meets the requirements for the HubZone program. The next thing that you all said is you have a difficulty in finding qualified HubZone employees. In these areas, a lot of employees may not reside that have the qualifications that you need to be able to perform on those contracts. And so they took that into consideration. And lastly, they said, okay, you changed the hub zone declared areas a lot. It's changed a lot. So what can SBA do right now to meet these challenges that we just talked about? So the key change that they made is they can now treat an employee as a HUBZone resident as long as that individual worked for the business and resided in a HUBZone declared area at the time the company was certified or recertified. It doesn't matter if that individual moved to a different area. As long as they still work for your company, you can qualify them as a HUBZone employee, even though they may now reside outside of a HUBZone declared area. They also did more changes. As I said, this is a quick synopsis. SBA added, eliminated, and revised definitions throughout its program. It also includes the definition of employee. Now, one of the other stumbling blocks is attempt to maintain. SBA never defined what a business can do to attempt to maintain meeting the residency requirement that 35% of your employees reside within a hub zone. So how does SBA attempt to maintain really look at? So they finally came up and put some numbers to it that you can now qualify or quantify your attempt to maintain. So what they're saying is if as long as you have 20% or more of your HUBZone employees residing within a HUBZone area on your performing a contract, you meet the requirements of attempt to maintain. If the residency falls below 20%, then you are not meeting the requirements of attempt to maintain. So they're trying to make it a little bit easier. Now let's go back to employee for a minute. I'm not going to go into the definition. You can pull that up in the Code of Federal Regulations, otherwise known as CFR. But they're going to look at the totality of the circumstances. What is the IRS definition of employee? What is SBA's definition of employee? And overall, do, does your employee meet the definition of an employee? As I said, this was going to be a quick overview of the changes that SBA has implemented. Again, 
you need to go to the Code of Federal Regulations, specifically 13 CFR 126, for more information. Once you go there, you can, you can turn around and find out everything you wanted to know about the HUBZone program and see if you meet the program requirements. As always, please do me a favor, subscribe, rate, review. Also, we're not being paid for any of our videos or we don't meet any of the requirements for YouTube. So we're not being paid for any of these videos. And these videos do cost money to reproduce. It costs a lot of time. It costs um, time. It costs money for the software program programs to be able to do the editing. It costs time to be able to put them up on, on the actual um, server. It costs time to have the website. I mean, it, it costs money to be able to support the channel. And anything that you can do to help would be greatly appreciated. Of course, we want to wish you a wonderful holiday season. And as always, until next time, be safe.